0: Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm your host, Brad, and I'm a beggar. I am elated to report that this beggar has found bread, the bread of life, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. My hope is to lead others to this bread that they may discover eternal satisfaction to overcome the desire for temporary pleasures. This episode feels good to me. You may credit The Grandfathers of Heavy Metal, Black Sabbath, with the title to this episode. I've used at least one other song title from this band in the past, and that was the Mob Rules episode. That comes to mind. Not sure if I've used any others, but I chose to use a song from black sabbath for this episode not just because the topic of discussion matches with the title but more because of the origin of the phrase black sabbath and its connection to our current study in 1st Thessalonians or at least to the city of Thessalonica Recently, read a novel by Mitch Album titled "The Little Liar." Album is, well, in my opinion, one of the great storytellers of our time, and I encourage you to check out some of his books. "The Little Liar," which I just completed, um, top of my list of his is excellent. And the story of "The Little Liar" focuses on Jews from the city of Salonica in Greece, Macedonia, in the early 1940s, late 30s, early 40s. So present-day Salonika was formerly Thessalonica. As the wolf, Hitler, dispatched his troops to round up men, women, and children who were Jewish to take to the death camps, One tactic in degrading the Jews of this area, Salonika in Greece, was 9,000 men were gathered up in a public square on the Sabbath. It was on July 11th, actually, on the Sabbath. And they were forced to do all kinds of physical workout calisthenics throughout the entire day. No water, no food. And of course, they thought that you know the big joke here was well it's the sabbath so they're forcing them to break the sabbath the men were not allowed to go to the synagogue and you know they prevented them from attending services and uh, but more brutally any man who stopped for a breath trying to take a knee to get some rest or fell out due to exhaustion was then beaten abused or became prey to the nazis attack dogs This became known as the Black Sabbath in Salonika. And whether or not the band members of Black Sabbath knew of this particular event, I mean, you could always tell there was a darkness, no pun intended, to the name Black Sabbath. But it attaches to this event in history in Salonika. And as you know... This podcast is not about the music. It's not about Mitch Album or even Macedonia. Well, a little bit with Macedonia because of the individuals to whom Paul, Silas, and Timothy addressed their letters in Thessalonica. But it's all about the message. Feels good to me. So let's pick up on our overview of 1 Thessalonians, and today we're going to primarily be in chapter 4. This is the fourth installment of this series, and for more context and history surrounding this letter and the recipients of it, please check out the People Get Ready, Wind in My Sails, and Everybody Hurts episodes. Those are the first three in this series, if you haven't already done that. Take time to do that. Right now, we're going to jump into 1 Thessalonians and we're going to start in chapter 3 to keep the flow in context of chapter 4. So we'll start at 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 12. And as for you, may the Lord make you increase and overflow in love toward each other, indeed toward everyone, just as we do toward you so that he may give you the inner strength to be blameless by reason of your holiness when you stand before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Yeshua with all his angels. Therefore, brothers, just as you learned from us how you had to live in order to please God, and just as you are living this way now, we ask you, indeed, united with the Lord Yeshua, we urge you, to keep doing so to keep doing so more and more for you know what instructions we gave you on the authority of the lord yeshua what god wants is that you be holy that you keep away from sexual immorality that each of you know how to manage his sexual impulses in a holy and honorable manner without giving in to lustful desires like the pagans Who don't know God. No one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him, because the Lord punishes all who do such things, as we have explained to you before at length. For God did not call us to live an unclean life, but a holy one. Therefore, whoever rejects this teaching is rejecting not a man, but God. Indeed, the one who gives you the Ruach HaKodesh, which is his. Concerning love for the brothers, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you, brothers, to do it even more. Also, make it your ambition to live quietly, to mind your own business, and to earn your living by your own efforts, just as we told you. Then your daily life will gain the respect of outsiders, and you will not be dependent on anyone. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way other people do who have nothing to hope for, For since we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, we also believe that in the same way, God, through Yeshua, will take with him those who have died. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own words. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar, those who died united with the Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are still we who are left still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage each other with, those, with these words. Okay, that is First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 through chapter 4 and verse 18. So let's break down what Paul, Silas, and Timothy are conveying to these Yeshua followers in Thessalonica. I'll be rereading this passage and inserting some of my own interpolation as we go through it. Just breaking it down. So we'll start back in chapter 3 and verse 12. And as for you, may the Lord make you increase and overflow in love toward each other, indeed toward everyone, just as we do toward you, so that he may give you the inner strength to be blameless by reason of your holiness when you stand before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Yeshua with his angels. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy provided examples of brotherly love to these believers in Thessalonica. They're urging them to continue in this behavior to those among the believers, brothers and sisters, as well as those outside the faith, toward everyone, is the instruction here. And their prayer is that Adonai would cause them to overflow in love towards others. Not just the emotion or feeling of love, but the actions and behaviors that reflect love. Specifically, what the scriptures reveal as loving actions through the commands of Hashem. And that they would be empowered by Hashem, the Holy One strengthened in their work in doing these things and being prepared living a holy life being prepared to face yeshua at his return and to face the father when yeshua returns hallelujah and so this letter goes on therefore brothers just as you learned from us how you had to live in order to please god and just as you are living this way, now we ask you indeed, united with the Lord Yeshua, we urge you to keep doing so more and more. The apostle and his companions taught and displayed how to live in a way that is pleasing to the Holy One, blessed be He. And there are some who would say well, there's nothing I can do to please God. And that's untrue. It's unscriptural. People say this, people say things like that, but in this portion, as well as throughout scripture, including the words of the master Yeshua himself, we are instructed in ways that do please Hashem. We should not make the most high out to be some taskmaster incapable of being pleased or satisfied. He desires obedience over sacrifice. It is a cop-out, and it's a justification of sinful behavior to say, well, Adonai is incapable of being pleased, and that's why we needed Jesus. We can't please him by our works or our deeds. And of course, we are saved by grace through faith in Messiah Yeshua. But as Ephesians 2.10 reveals... We are saved to do good works in Yeshua. That is works that please Hashem. Chapter 4, picking up at verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you on the authority of the Lord Yeshua. What God wants is that you be holy. Adonai declares in Leviticus 19.2, as echoed by others throughout Scripture, including the Apostle Peter, Be holy as I am holy. Kadosh, holy, means set apart, set apart to Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. We are to live in a way that there is a distinction, a difference between us who follow Adonai through Yeshua and those of the world. Continuing on, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to manage his sexual impulses in a holy and honorable manner without giving in to lustful desires like the pagans who don't know God. Okay. An aspect of holiness is abstaining from sexual impurity. The writers Paul, in the first uh, first portion, he says that we are to live holy, and then he ta- and then he goes into one specific area or aspect of holiness, and that is abstaining from sexual impurity, exercising self control, not giving in to lustful desires, and this warning goes to the God fearing Gentile believers who were in Thessalonica as well as the Jewish Yeshua followers. It identifies the behaviors of the pagans out of whom the God-fearing Gentiles came. So it's a caution to them not to continue in those ways and it, or to return to them. It is also a warning to the Jewish believers not to be influenced into the pagan ways, confusing their liberty in Messiah with giving in to the lusts of the flesh. The wording Paul uses here is interesting. And I believe it goes further or has, has some specific application that may be seen by many as more of just a general statement. So what's translated as sexual impulses is the Greek word skavos. Skavos. And so it is defined, skavos, as a thing. Instrument or vessel. So it is possible, according to my understanding, and it is likely, that Paul is using figurative language here, similar to that which is used in the Song of Solomon, where words like vessel, garden, mountain of myrrh, and others are used to describe female anatomy and genitalia. It is likely that Paul used the word skevos very specifically referring to male parts, male genitalia. Using a, a modern vernacular, Paul saying, keep it in your pants. Your man parts have a specific purpose for procreation with your wife and to satisfy her intimately as well. So, when one gives in to lustful desires, defiling the individual himself, he also is depriving his wife. This speaks to adultery, fornication, which would include uh, homosexual activity, and, I believe, in modern times well, not that this is only a a modern thing, but the use of pornography and masturbation, which is commonly called self-gratification, an action that puts the desires of self above the commands of God and deprives one's wife. Some guys may say, well, I have needs, and sometimes my wife isn't in the mood or isn't available to satisfy them. So... What's the big deal if I find relief that way? Feels good to me. The big deal is, what did God design that member of your body for? Procreation and satisfying your wife. You accomplish neither in that behavior. There is absolutely an aspect of asceticism in our faith. The denying of oneself of certain things. Laying our rights to ourselves down. Denying those fleshly desires. And these lusts can easily be compared with a person who struggles with addiction having a craving. We may think, well, I have to satisfy this craving or I might go crazy or I might even die. The reality is... All cravings are relatively short-lived, including sexual lusts. And there are distraction techniques that are used by men and women who struggle with substance abuse. And they translate to sexual urges as well. You can use them. Some people, for example, will wear a rubber band around their wrist and use it uh, as a distraction technique when their mind wanders They give a quick snap and bring themselves back to reality. That's just one. There's many others. And and, in the same way, I would encourage one experiencing a trigger or craving to use uh, mind-altering substances. I would do so for a sexual desire as well. And that is, use it as an opportunity to draw nearer to God. Ask him for help. Surrender to his presence and his will. As it is written of Moses, he denied himself the pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Messiah a greater reward. And as you gain success in these things, time and again, you will build strength in that area and you will enhance your relationship with Hashem through Yeshua. Is it easy? Nope. Not at all. <laughs> Not at first, certainly. It's harder at first, more difficult. But as it becomes your practice, it does get easier. And your again, your relationship with Hashem is enhanced. And your relationship with your wife, if you are a married man. Your relationship will be enhanced there as well. Remember... Our battle is not against flesh and blood. This is truly a spiritual battle. And Adonai has equipped us to overcome the desires of the flesh. And in those times, maybe we can even ask ourselves that, that question that became so popular in the, in the 1990s. What would Jesus do? Simple question. And we know he wouldn't, go, he wouldn't go through with a self-gratifying action. Moving forward. And I know there's a lot more questions and, and, and things attached to that specific behavior. And we're going to move forward for now. But uh, you're welcome. If you have questions or comments, you can always uh, submit them through, through the podcast. And I appreciate uh, those who do. All right, so we're going to pick up at verse 6 of chapter 4. No one should wrong his brother in this matter. Referring back to uh, the uh, sexual impulses. So no one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him because the Lord punishes all who do such things as we have explained to you before at length. For God did not call us to live an unclean life, but a holy one. Therefore... Whoever rejects this teaching is rejecting not a man, but God, indeed, the one who gives you the Ruach Hakodesh, the Holy Spirit, which is his. So, in context, it appears this warning was to more to the God-fearing Gentile believers not to entice those from among them, but also not to entice the Jewish Yeshua followers into their old ways. And again, some of the some of the confusion or justification falls into people misunderstanding Paul's gospel. And we've discussed that many times on this on this podcast, so I'm not going to delve into that at this moment, but the confusion of what liberty in Messiah truly means. Um and so, yeah, there is a warning here for these God-fearing Gentiles not to try and entice the Jewish issue of followers into their old ways, their pagan ways. Present day application can certainly go to anyone who would coax or encourage a brother to satisfy his lusts outside the confines of the marriage relationship. And this includes either friends, and yes, I used air quotes, or congregational leaders, same thing, who justify such behaviors and well, you're only human, you know, you have needs also, so I understand, it's okay. I will punish those who do such things. We are called to live a holy life and Hashem equips us to do so with his teachings the written law, the Torah, and by giving us a portion of his spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, to live according to his ways. To say that it is impossible to overcome these things is to diminish the power of the Holy One, blessed be he, of El Yon, the Most High God, by saying his his Ruach Hakodesh, His Holy Spirit, is not strong enough to fight these urges within me. Yes, He is. He has equipped us, and we can, we can overcome these things. This would be this would be an appropriate spot to use the often taken out of context. I can do all things through Messiah, who strengthens me. This would be an appropriate place to use that. Verse nine. Concerning love for the brothers, we do not need to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do it even more. Also, make it your ambition to live quietly and to mind your own business and to earn your living by your own efforts Just as we told you, then your daily life will gain the respect of outsiders and you will not be dependent on anyone. So, I feel like this section, these verses, are fairly self explanatory. Live meek and humbly. Grow in love towards your brothers and sisters. Practice those things all the more. Continue to grow and increase in those things. If a man works not, neither should he eat. As God has equipped us, he provides through that that, uh, talent or gift or whatever you would like to call it, that ability. He provides for us through that to meet our needs. Of course, as the scripture states, the poor we will have with us always, and we're to give charitably to the poor, the needy, the widow, and the orphan, and the hope being that each one will not be forever dependent on others. Paul gives actually a little more stringent warning in the second letter to these believers, in 2 Thessalonians 3, and so it seems that Laziness may have been a, an issue within this fellowship or surrounding these people. And from Second Thessalonians 3, starting at verse 10, For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. If someone won't work, he shouldn't eat. We hear that some of you are leading a life of idleness, not busy working, just busy bodies. We command such people, And in union with the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, we urge them to settle down, get to work, and earn their own living. And you, brothers, who are doing what is good, don't slack off. Furthermore, if anyone does not obey what we are saying in this letter, take note of him and have nothing to do with him, so that he will be ashamed but don't consider him an enemy on the contrary confront him as a brother and try to help him change and i love that that little disclaimer at the end there because i think some people would yeah let's just write those dudes off they're not doing anything they're slackers they're 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 lazy let's let's just cut them off from from everything but that's not what paul is saying here don't consider him an enemy is what paul is saying and that We should confront such a a one in love as a brother and try to encourage and help them make changes to see the benefit of, of doing their own work, their own labor. All right, back to 1 Thessalonians. And chapter 4, verse 13 is where we'll pick up. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way other people do who have nothing to hope for. For since we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, we also believe that in the same way, God, through Yeshua, will take with him those who have died. Okay, so we should not mourn or grieve the way the world does. Those who do not know Hashem, they do so in a manner of hopelessness. When a brother or sister in Messiah physically expires, they die bodily, of course we will will miss their presence among us in our lives, but it is a temporary absence. We need to remember that. it's temporary. It is until we meet again, not a farewell you know forever goodbye. It's until we meet again at the resurrection. Yeshua himself declaring he is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. We who believe in the resurrection are most hopeful of all. All right, moving on to verse 15. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels and with God's shofar. Those who died united with the Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage each other. With these words, the master will return to claim, to gather those who are his. This is the resurrection and the greater exodus. Many will say at, uh, you know that this is the rapture. They use that, that word. I encourage you, please listen to the Gone Away episode. And I think that's from the second season of this podcast. But there's, there's significant confusion regarding this event, what is commonly called the rapture. And the word rapture doesn't appear anywhere in the scripture, nor does Trinity, or even the word church. That's right. Maybe we can dig more into, uh, into that again someday, as far as the resurrection goes. Um, resurrection, Elohim, and gathering. Those words do appear in Scripture frequently. So perhaps we will revisit that um, at some time at an episode in the future, Lord willing. If you would, take the time to listen to the Gone Away episode. And actually, there was recently posted on the First Fruits of Zion site, FFOZ.org, an article called The Jewish Version of the Rapture. And That was was a very good read, so take some time. Dig into that as well with a Hebrew understanding of eschatology, end-time events. And as always, please study to show yourselves approved of God. Dig into his word on your own. Allow his Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit, to minister and speak to you as to the application of his word in your life. Be honest with yourself. Be honest before the Holy One. Blessed be he. So thank you again for giving time. I appreciate all those who subscribe, who rate, review, like, listen, and share. Thank you so much. There is a lost and dying world out there that desperately is starving. They are hungry and they need the bread of life, the Messiah, Yeshua. So let's go out and give them heaven. And until next time, may the favor that the Master, Yeshua the Messiah, the Zadik, the Righteous One, the favor that he earned in the eyes of Hashem, may it be upon you and all your household. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it reign in your hearts and minds in Messiah Yeshua. Grace and peace to you. Cain Shalom.